Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Vicar Derek Kabilis from the United Methodist Church of Uniontown, and I've got a sermon for you today. This one comes to us from all the way back on June 9th, 2019, the Feast of the Pentecost. That day we had a few people join the church, we had a few baptisms, and I talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit and a wild goose, a goose that had, let's just say, some intestinal difficulties. I hope you enjoy. I wish to preach to you this morning from the title, The Passing Fire of a Wild Goose. The Passing Fire of a Wild Goose. In about 10 minutes, you're going to figure out why that's an amazing title. (laughs) Would you please pray with me? In now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was just supposed to be a coffee shop. That's what my buddy said. Hey, there's a new coffee shop where a bunch of my friends from church go. Would you like to come with me? I thought, hey, I drink coffee. I like church. Sure, I'll get a latte or something. Well, let me tell you, it was not just a coffee shop. My first clue was that there was no coffee. They had a dirty little four-cup Mr. Coffee, but it broke down before I even got there, so I had to make do with a Pepsi. It was warm. Secondly, there was a band playing on a stage, and the, the band was playing such loud worship music that typical coffee shop banter was rendered absolutely impossible. My third clue was that after about 10 minutes, everyone in the entire place stood up and spontaneously formed a circle. I asked my friend what was going on, and he said, it's time for prayer. Now, I've been in literally maybe 50 coffee shops in my life, and I've even prayed in some of them but never with everyone standing in a circle before. So having no idea what's happening, I go and I stand in the circle, and a man with a beard and long dark hair begins to pray out loud. And then so does everyone else. Everyone was praying in a normal to high-volume speaking voice at the same time. And as time went on, 
their volume got higher and the prayers got more intense. And then some people started crying. And then eventually about half of them started yelling out gibberish. The next thing I know, the Jesus-looking guy points up to the stage and says, Let's go! And everyone runs over to the stage and the worship music starts up again, louder than before, and they're singing and crying and preaching, all happening at the same time. When all of a sudden, amidst all of that cacophony, the Jesus... The, the, the Jesus-looking guy from the stage, he, he points down at me in the crowd. And I'm just standing there like, man, I got no idea what's going on right now. He points to me and he says, Psalm 134 says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. You better get those hands up. I confess to you, brothers and sisters, I only lifted one hand that night, and only one of the fingers on that hand, <laughs> before I ran out of that coffee shop, got in my car, and drove home. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. What would it have been like that day to feel the wind and see the fire? To hear the cacophony of the disciples speaking in these foreign tongues that nobody understood? How would you react? to something that loud or intense or chaotic. Would you recognize it as a holy time? Would you, would you join with the ecstatic spiritual inebriation of the moment? Or like me, would you have flicked them off and ran away? This type of spiritual exuberance was not common among the Jewish people back then. There were some folks like the Essenes uh, that would dance and, and, and shake and, and maybe even uh, speak in tongues. That was the group that, that John the Baptist came from, if you remember that guy. But, but mostly the Jewish faith was a, a fairly calm and reflective one, not unlike our own. Prayers were usually offered with bowed heads, and songs were sung joyfully, but with reverence. Understandably, this kind of spirituality would seem drunken to a crowd of Jews gathered that day. So maybe you can understand the sneering and the accusation that the disciples were, in fact, intoxicated. I mean... Jesus was a pretty calm guy, right? Whenever you see a stained glass window, he, he always looks so serene, walking with sheep and talking to little kids. He liked to give these little teachings on mountains and on grassy plains. He, he healed people, but, but didn't make a big fuss. Sometimes they didn't even know it had happened. 
And he would go out to gardens and deserts and, and pray for days, often in total and complete silence. But then there were other times, weren't there? Like when he turned over the tables of the money changers and made a whip to drive the sheep and the goats out of the temple. Or when his words seemed so crazy that the people of Nazareth actually tried to catch him so that they could throw him off a cliff. Or that time he made mud with his own spit and rubbed it on the blind man's eyes. I've never seen a stained glass window of that moment. So which is it? When you close your eyes to pray, which Jesus do you see? The quiet, kind teacher of morality and gentleness, or the radical rabble-rouser, causing trouble and agitating the systems of power? For most of us, when we think of this other person, this other member of the divine trinity that, that we call the Holy Spirit, it's, it's usually very common for us to imagine the Spirit as a dove, right? Like when it's, it, it, it softly alighted upon the head of Christ at his baptism. In the 6th century, however, when Christianity came to the Scottish island of Iona, the Celtic Christians there had a totally different conception of what the Holy Spirit was like. We think of a dove because we like to imagine the Spirit as a pure and ethereal being gently coming upon us and, and leading us and, and turning our hearts toward heaven. The Celts translated it not as a dove, but is a wild goose. And they always depicted it honking and hissing and flapping its wings. And in one ancient Celtic depiction, it even appears to be flatulating fire. <laughs> now that puts the story of Pentecost in a whole new light now, doesn't it? But you can see the difference there between those, those two symbols, can't you? Doves are known not just for their beauty, but for being docile and trainable. My own grandfather trained wild doves right in his backyard to, to eat out of his own hand. And for the Celts, though, they made a different connection. They saw that the dove was a perfect symbol for, for the kind of spirit that an institution wants its members to have. The Celts saw in the dove a spirit that was servile and pliant and manageable. The institution wants to know that it can teach you, that it can train you and mold you, not just into being the right kind of Christian, but back then it was into being the right kind of citizen so that you'll never ever rebel and always do what you're told. But the Celts, 
those barbarians from the British Isles with the fiery red hair and the tempers to match, when they heard the gospel, they saw an incongruity there. When they saw the Holy Spirit, they saw a spirit of motion, of wild and untamed passion, a God on the move, always pushing, always squawking, and from time to time, even making a mess on the well-manicured lawns of the elite. But when Christianity almost died out in Europe, when, as historians say, Christianity was clinging to the rocks, of the Scottish Hebrides on islands like Iona, and the Celts had to re-evangelize the rest of the Western world, even the wild goose began to change. Instead of a symbol of wild passion and unpredictable divinity, it came to be regarded as a symbol of wisdom and prudence. Eventually, that wisdom, the wisdom of the wild goose, was distilled down into songs and fairy tales and pithy rhymes. Until eventually, the untamed spirit of the Celtic church became the the bespectacled, soft-spoken mother goose of nursery school. The goose was tamed after all. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that next week we're all going to start speaking in tongues and dancing around. I actually don't even think that that coffee shop church was, was a very good example of the wild spirit of Pentecost. In the coming years, I I would come to know a lot of the folks who went to that church, and it became obvious to me that what was happening there was not so much vital, unpredictable divinity, as much as it was a, a kind of monotony of ecstasy, a ritualized exuberance in the service of a single, charismatic yet deranged leader. And in this day and age, what's more conventional than a cult of personality? But what I do think is that we need to cling to the story of Pentecost. That that we need to recapture the wildness of that moment. We need to remember that our tradition is, is not merely one of convention, and normalcy. Yes, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are, as, as, as Paul says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But we need to remember that none of those things needs to be docile. In an overstimulated world, where marketing constantly stokes our appetites, where greed and consumption are lifted as moral virtues, where hospitality has been turned into suspicion, and where human identity has been reduced down to political identity. Things like love and joy and peace and patience are the most radical things in the world. Likewise, 
in a society that is convinced everything is on fire, the patient looked to be mad. In a nation that, that thinks war is always necessary, the peaceful looked to be bad. And in a culture where the volume is always turned to 11, and you can't look in any direction without some flickering screen lulling you into hypnosis, a church where people take time to sit and pray and inquire after their souls is downright crazy. Whew, I need a break. The water. We have some new members joining the church today. Some have been among us for quite a while. Um, Longer than I have, even, but up until this point, for whatever reason, they weren't ready to call themselves members of the church. Others are new, bringing new ideas and new energy and new perspectives. And behind them, out in the congregation, there are about ten of you who have just started coming to the church. I've met with I think six of you in the past week who've just begun their journey with this congregation, but who aren't just ready to join up and sign on the bottom line yet. Now, our instinct is going to be to train these people. (laughs) To farm them just like docile little doves, to think like we think, to talk like we talk, and to do like we do. Just like that Jesus-looking guy telling me to put my hands in the air. It's the instinct and nature of every institution. Resist that instinct. Let them be who they are. Let them challenge you. Let them change us. Let them move us to someplace new that we never even dreamed of going before. And those of you who are joining us today, today I will not be anointing you with merely the spirit of a docile little dove, but with the spirit of a wild goose. And I expect you to squawk. (laughs) I expect you to flap. And when we need it, you can even hit us with a little fire from your backside. (laughs) Because even though we may not appreciate it in the moment, the truth is, from time to time, we all need a little Pentecost to shake us up. These words I offer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's do this thing, shall we? Well, there you have it, brothers and sisters. You know, my prayer for you this week is that your faith would not be docile. 
that it wouldn't be bound by convention or social expectation, but that from time to time your faith would be a little wild. From time to time your faith would catch fire. May you always have somewhere deep inside you the untamed spirit of a wild goose. And may the love of God, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you and be with you now and always. Amen. Mm-hmm.